Hello folks, this is Chopping It Up with CJ. I'm your host, Chris James, and this is the inaugural episode of Make Good Mondays. Now, what do we do on Make Good Mondays, or at least what I'm trying to do? Make good on the weekend. Basically, I'm going to go over each game that I picked on Thursday for Turf Talk Thursday. Talk about each game, go through the confidence scores, give myself a grade, and see how I did, because if I'm giving you any advice on doing anything with uh, betting or your money, I need it to make some sense for you. Otherwise, I'm just helping you waste it, and I want you to make it. Also, go over some other stories that might be tied to the weekend. And for those of you all who are new to the show, this, again, inaugural version of this particular episode, Make Good Mondays. We have Weekside Wednesdays, Turf Talk Thursdays, and Fantasy Football Fridays. Uh, you can also... If you need more information or want to get a laugh, maybe yell at me a little bit, whatever. Uh, let's try not to yell at me. But you can uh, follow me on Twitter. My handle is at CJFlorida9. That's at CJ, the entire state of Florida spelled out in the number nine. And again, this is Make Good Mondays. What it allows me to do, if you are a person who has at least heard the show before, usually on Weekside Wednesdays, I used to go over this. I used to go over this type of information, but I also wanted to mix in some stories. This allows me to get a, uh, another day where I'm able to do this, and then Weekside Wednesdays is going to be intended for what it was truly initially intended for, which is going over news and notes, stories in the NFL, and also I can cover some items in college, uh, talk about things like the NFL draft, some things that I've seen from a high level from the college aspect, um, but it gives me more flexibility and fluidity when it comes to Weekside Wednesdays and just the overall uh, chopping it up with CJ podcast because I do want to do a, a bit of expansion, but mainly give myself some leeway to be able to do different things. So, without further ado, we're going to go ahead and jump in to the games. We're going to go in order of how they happened, or at least how I looked at them and picked them on Turf Talk Thursdays. And then, you know, like I said, just give a little overview of what happened in the game, things that I saw, things that stood out, and then look at those scores. Because again, make good Monday. I'm making good. Hopefully, I get a positive side uh, for your money. So that first game, it was the Steelers visiting the Browns on Thursday night. Uh, that one was kind of what I expected, except something that I was very proud to see. And it's something that I think we need to give a little more uh Honestly, we really need to pay a little bit more attention to this. What you saw from Jacoby Brissett, a guy who went to the University of Florida initially, had to step in uh, as a freshman and play over a guy who was recruited over him in Jeff Driscoll because of an ankle injury Driscoll had. And he had to play against that LSU team that was one of the best in the nation, had one of the best resumes of all time, and then, you know, faltered the national championship and got beat up. He showed me resilience then. He showed me resilience once he transferred to NC State since UF picked Driscoll over him. And he's still showing it in the NFL right now. And what I mean by this is he has been tagged with the moniker of backup quarterback, bridge quarterback. And so he's played a very safe game. And you can kind of see that he was just not making mistakes or didn't want to make mistakes when he got his opportunity. Remember, Andrew Luck, and I know I'm going off on something right now, but bear with me. You know, Andrew Luck, he had to play in... in in place of him when Andrew Luck left. Uh, he had to, he got the opportunity to do some things in other locations, and it just never looked like Jacoby Brissett was going to get the chance to be a starter. Now, while they might have their franchise quarterback in Deshaun Watson, and your opinion is your opinion, mine is mine on that particular scenario, right now is Jacoby Brissett's time. 
So I was proud to see him go out there and play declarative quarterback, not scared like a lot of quarterbacks, especially those that tend to look like me who get that backup moniker. They end up playing very tight. And it happens to quarterbacks that don't look like me. Look at Mitchell Trubisky, who's playing very tight football because he feels like his job's on the line, which was the guy who's the other quarterback in this game. You watched one quarterback play free and realize, look, this is my moment. People want that for Mitchell Trubisky, but he's not at that stage yet. So I was glad and proud to see Jacoby Brissett, a guy who I have a lot of respect for, get the opportunity, take full advantage of it. Took a little bit of time for him to get there to finally say, uh, let's just use... uh, the sixth letter of the alphabet, it, right? He had to say that, and he went out and played football. Is Jacoby Brissett going to light the world on fire and be the next Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen? Probably not, but guess what? He's able to be Jacoby Brissett finally. And what happened? His team looked like the far better team the whole day. You can tell that Pittsburgh is incomplete because they don't have their best player on defense. And on offense, they're still a work in progress. Some of that is because the OC has an interesting scheme. We'll just put it like that. Some of it, that offensive line is not exactly where it used to be for uh, Pittsburgh Steelers uh, football. And again, the quarterback is playing very tentative because that rookie is not ready, whatever you all want to say yet. Um, So anyway, it all is what it all is. Um, The final score of this one was 29-17. It was really 23-17. And then you got what? is the most hated play in the playbook for me for watching football late in games. If you have like 15 seconds left, something like that, and you're backed up, guess what teams do? Not let the ball over their head. You know it's available? 15 yard out, cool, run that. Get five seconds. Guess what's gonna be available again? 15 yard out, at least you get to where you can throw a Hail Mary. This throw the ball and then do a bunch of laterals, it's worked like seven times in the last 25 years. And it's usually getting an ESPY. That means it's not there. You know, it has worked. Getting the ball to fast people and getting into either field goal range or Hail Mary range. And Hail Marys have a lot better chance than that lateral play, which I think is pure D garbage. Uh, I wish Mike Tomlin would tell whoever called that Canada or whoever to scratch that because it is trash. And as far as the covering on the game, I had the game... With a 20-17 to 17 score by the Browns, I said the Browns were the better team, but at the same point in time, Mike Tomlin always keeps these games close. And then there was all this betting stuff where the Browns in division didn't cover games. Uh, I think they were 1-8 against the spread, something like that. These are these little backdoor things that you listen to, but I was going strictly on the football in a field standpoint. You know, what I knew from the game, what I felt, that was my score. And then I looked at the uh, line and the over-under after. So I had a confidence level of 2 on the Steelers covering by one point. Again, I was like, don't bet this game. This is a weird game for me. Don't bet it. Uh, and even the line. The line was 38. I had a confidence level of four on it. Meaning, if you bet it, meh, I wouldn't recommend it, but at least I could understand it. I thought the under would hit. Simply because the weather, things like that. But I didn't have it by much. One point. Final score was actually going to be pretty close. It wasn't going to be 23-17, to 17, but that bonehead situation made it a 29 to 17 game uh so the overhit so that's minus six on that game all right moving on to the next game in a game that i actually attended and wish it didn't but you're going to support your team even when they're not playing their best football that's what actual fans do it's fortunate that i have to say that and that's the new orleans saints they visited charlotte to play the carolina panthers 
Uh, I had the Saints winning this one 23-14 basically because I didn't think the Panthers' offense was worth much. It's looked bad. Their quarterback double and triple checks and pumps on about 10 to 15 plays per game. That is insane. He is unsure what he's seeing. He is, and that's not an ill-prepared thing because usually they'll do bread and butter. This is on everything. So I don't know what it is. I don't know if he's shell-shocked and he's done for right now and needs some sort of uh, addressing, but Baker Mayfield does not look like a real NFL quarterback right now. In fact, that offense only scored because LaVisca should know, honestly, was just putting people in a blender um, on one play. As far as the Saints offense, they couldn't get much going. Uh, Alvin Kamara clearly shouldn't have been playing. He looked injured. He looked soft. And that's not a descriptive word for a guy who is far from it. So he looked like he had tender ribs. You don't play that guy if he has tender ribs. You're not proving much. You're not doing much. Maybe they saw the lack of juice that was there with Mark Ingram. But guess what? Mark Ingram at least isn't injured. Tony Jones Jr. would have been a better option to have active along with Dwayne Washington. But Carolina Panthers really did a number on the Saints, especially that defense. They showed up. Um, They did a good job. That offense, Carolina, is still a mess. I think the Saints offense has a better chance of getting better because there's things they can do than Carolina, who doesn't have the excuse of anyone being injured or anyone being new other than the quarterback. They don't have many excuses. The Saints have a lot of them. Uh, so kudos, Carolina. They all played the Saints, and they got that win. Again, I had the Saints winning 23-14, to 14, which meant I had the Saints covering that uh, four-point spread that they had. Um, I had a confidence level of eight on it, so uh, that was wrong. And I had the under-hitting here with a confidence level of seven. I felt pretty good about the Saints and the Panthers' defenses showing up, which was true. It was just the offense. It was, again, quick turn. You get a turnover that turns right in the six points for a defense, that changes the tenor of a game. Um, final score was 22-14 Panthers. So the under did hit on that over-under 41. Out of conference level of 7 on that. Again, 8 for the Saints covering. That's minus 1 on that game. All right, the next game was the Texans at the Bears. This one I didn't get the chance to see yet. And honestly, given what I was told about it, I don't need to see. Um, Davis Mills is just doing what he's doing out there. Justin Fields apparently played really poorly. I'll say this about both guys. Davis Mills, I'm glad you're getting a chance. And I'm hoping that you're getting the support you need from your team. It feels like you are. I don't hear every other statement or see people who work for four-letter networks tweeting out how badly you're playing, even though you're playing really bad football. But at least your team is supporting you. And people in general are. Justin Fields, who is not playing well and actually is playing worse than you, does not seem to be getting support. Now, I don't know what's going on in that locker room or if he's getting support there. But what I'll say is it didn't seem to give him the pieces that have been given to other quarterbacks, Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, whoever, to actually see if they're good. He's played really poorly, doesn't seem to be getting support, and now he's got the media bashing on him. Look. We're seeing another second-year quarterback in Trevor Lawrence playing really well because they got a, an adult in the building. When they hired him, I said that was an A-plus hire. When they hired Eberflus, I said it was a C. It looks like that's bearing out right now. That's not to slight Eberflus. It's just he wasn't hired to help Justin Fields. He was hired to be hired. He was hired so that they could be the monsters of the midway with defense, which they're not. 
Doug Peterson was hired to help out Trevor Lawrence. I made a statement on social media about this. Help and hope go a long way with help with, with anyone, no matter who you are. If there's hope for you and you get help, if you're a grinder and you're a hard worker, you'll probably be successful. They're not doing that in Chicago. I'm really hopeful that they do. And I'm even hopeful, yes, to a lesser extent, because he's not a first round pick, but hopeful that the same goes on for Davis Mills as for Justin Fields, who seems to be getting none of it. Um, <sighs> jump off my high horse on that one, because that one's going to frustrate me for a very long time to watch this happen. I picked the Bears to win a close one, 21-20. I just felt like both teams are in an unfortunate rebuild, even if they don't want to say it. And so it would be won by the team with the more talented quarterback. And it was won, but not because of him, just like it was not won or close because of the talent of the other quarterback. Uh, Chicago was a two and a half point favorite. So I actually had uh, the Bears covering. Or, you know, yeah, okay. Um, and then the over-under was 40 points. I had the over. So there are... Yeah, I had to make a correction of that, folks. Sorry about that. Quick glance. I had the Texans covering in a close one. Uh, the Bears actually covered that two and a half. So I had plus five there for me. It's minus five. So that's why the correction's happening. Again, things happen in real time, folks. Well, that's okay. Uh, Odd breaking news when you see something come across the screen. Uh, Good news. Miles Garrett does not have uh, any serious injuries, but he was in a single car accident. So that was breaking news that just flashed across my screen. That's why I paused for a second as well. Oh, well, good to hear that it's not serious. Um, as far as this game, again, the over-under was 40 points. Uh, I had the over-hitting, and it did. I only had a conference level of two on it. I felt like it was going to be one of those weird games where someone scores late, and it just ruins the over-under, kind of like what happened on Thursday night. And that didn't happen specifically, but they did cover the over. So, um that game was negative three for me. So not off to a great start right now. Good goodness. And speaking of not off to a great start, the team with the worst record in the NFL after three weeks is the Las Vegas Raiders who visited the Tennessee Titans. I thought that the Raiders would have their coming out party, be able to stack the box against Derrick Henry let their corners play, let their safeties roam with one being under. They got a guy in Jonathan Abrams who doesn't care about himself, it seems like, and will just run head first into people. And I thought they would utilize him. It looks like they played a lot of too high. I don't know what the heck they were doing. Just from the quick glance, every time I saw something, I'm like, what the heck are you all doing on defense? And on offense, they look broken early on with way too many pieces to be broken. Um, other than Mac Hollins, who, shout out to him and good for you, young man, balling out. Also picked him up in Daily Fantasy. It was a flyer on two of my lineups, and it did really well for me. So, <laughs> But um, I thought the Raiders would take advantage of the young corners. I thought that they would do a better job with their route combos. And to some extent, they did. But there was a lot of missed stuff and some foolishness that occurred. Um, oh, Darren Waller and ugh, that whole thing just looks bad. Uh, so I had the score of 27-17 Raiders. Las Vegas was a two-point favorite. Uh, so I had a conference level of seven on it. I was pretty confident that they'd be able to 
to beat that. Even if they didn't end up winning by the 10 points that I projected, I felt like they'd be able to win by three or more. They did not. The over-under on that was 45 and a half. Okay? Why that's important is I had the under by a point and a half. Why it's even more annoying is the Raiders scored late to be within two, and they beat it by the hook. 46 combined points, 24 to 22. So I got a minus nine on that game. Not off to a great start, losing you all a lot of money, but trust me, it actually gets a lot better, and we'll talk about that late. All right, the next game up is one that I had confidence in, and this one was more of the human element and something that I should have considered in this game. It should have been considered that maybe, just maybe, like I talked about the Bills filling themselves, the Chiefs were filling themselves. Because it looks like a game where the Chiefs were filling themselves and they made a buttload of mistakes. I had the Chiefs winning this one 31-20. They actually lost this game straight up. Uh, they were five and a half point favorites and actually fell to five points. Someone knew something that I didn't. They must have been in the locker room hearing them uh, smelling themselves. I'll put it like that. Um, I had a conference level of nine on it. Didn't want to put it as my lock because I thought that that was an opportunity that they... There was a chance that they could be an issue like this here, but I didn't really think it was going to happen. Um, if you didn't know about this game, the Colts won it 20-17. to 17. Um, Here's all the things that went wrong. Early in the game, the Colts scored because Sky Moore muffed a punt on his own five-yard line, so they had a short field, and they scored a touchdown. You had, excuse me, a fake field goal where they had a punter try to throw a ball and try to pick up eight yards and it was sniffed out perfectly. They had a missed field goal in field goal range. They had a guy fall down on a touchdown. And then they had another guy named Travis Kelsey who just straight up dropped the touchdown right before the missed field goal. You had a, what amounts to nothing. This happens every game. You just don't see it. Um, Patrick Mahomes didn't agree with the play call before the half. To me, Airbnb, I mean, if he decided to run the ball with no timeouts and the fact that things were going well, honestly, right call. Patrick, of course, as a quarterback, is going to want to throw the ball because he knows he's talented. Anyway, the Chiefs did everything wrong and still had a chance to win the game. And tip pass at the end, intercepted. Gotcha. I'm still confident the Chiefs are one of the three best teams in the NFL. You do not want to play them, especially in a big moment. Uh, but this was a doggone trap game. It got me. And then the over-under on this was 50.5. I put a confidence level of three because I thought it could be an under with the Chiefs dominating this game. And for all intents and purposes, the Chiefs look like the better team. It's just they didn't win. The Colts did their job. Uh, again, 20-17, the under hit. This is minus 12. So I am way behind. I got to do some, some interesting maneuvering to get back in the good graces here. Okay? All right. So... The next game, speaking of feeling themselves and the team that lost being better. I said this before, and I've told some of my friends, I told you that I'm a, I have a lot of friends who are Buffalo Bills fans. Some of them think I'd hate their team. Some of them are realistic and realize I don't hate them. I'm just a realistic projector of theirs. I've not been wrong on the Bills often. I did get them wrong two years ago in the playoffs when I thought the Colts would beat them, but five drop passes in a playoff game, go check it did help with that, uh, but I did have them losing the divisional round last year. So anyway, I digress. They held the ball for like f- almost f- more than 40 minutes in this game. It was just them with a comedy of errors. Injuries on one side of the, of the coin. The other side, them just kind of shoot themselves in the foot, and the Miami Dolphins 
stuck together and did the job. So they get the W here. And one of the funny parts about this is I said, okay, when I predicted this on Thursday, I said 28 to 24, knowing about the injuries and stuff like that. Gotcha. As we got closer and closer to the game, more things came out. I'm like, oh, this is starting to feel like the Dolphins are going to win a close one. I even said it prior. Then I started to feel more and more about it. On game day, uh, a, a friend of mine who's a Bills fan asked me, and I was like, I got him 28-24, but I don't feel good about it. And again, he's a realistic guy. He's like, I don't really feel good either, but you know, he's a real fan, so he's going to root for his team. And yeah, so I had the Dolphins covering. I had a, uh, the six-point spread that the Bills were favored by, and I had a conference level of four on it. Like I said, I felt pretty good that this would be a close game. It's a weird stat. I don't think it really applies, but they've lost like seven straight games decided by uh, a single score. Like they just, they either blow you out or they lose, which is super odd. Um, and then the over under on this particular game. Yeah. My score projection was 28 to 24, which is 52 total points. Guess what? The over under is 52 points. So there's nothing to be gleaned from this. The Dolphins won 21-19, as people know, the whole Tua thing where I feel pretty confident without being a doctor that he was uh, affected by some sort of uh, initial, at least, maybe he passed the test, but uh, initial brain issue. I'll give you a, a quick story about something that happened to me. You know what? I'm not even going to do it. I'm not going to make it by myself. Some of those concussion tests, there's a reason that they just hold you out when it happens in the game. There's a reason. Sometimes you can be just fine, but not really fine. Um, so they say it was a back thing. The NFL will investigate. We'll figure it out. If I had to put money on it, I think that he was concussed. That's just me. I'm not a doctor, so I guess trust the doctors. So that's plus four for me in this game. About time. I'm back. Trending back to the black. All right. The next game that's up is one that I had as my stone cold lock of the century of the week. And that's the Lions that visited the Vikings. Straight up, I think the Vikings aren't as good as the Lions. I think the Lions are a better team. I'll start there. But the Lions are doing Lion things. Lions do one of two things in what seems to be every game. Get down big, come back, make it interesting. Get up big, come back, and lose. And it seems to be that for every game, unless they're playing a a team that's either way better or that's a comedy of errors like the Commanders. Um, So I had the Lions winning 32-28. to I thought it would be one of those games where... Neither defense showed up. And to some extent, early on, the Vikings defense didn't show up. Then the Lions defense didn't show up. So the Vikings were six-point favorites. Like I said, that was my lock. I had the uh, the Lions winning straight up, I think, and I, I thought, and I still think they're the better team. Just period. I just do. I think they're the better team. So that was that. Then the over-under of 52.5, I had them covering that with 60 points. So I put a conference level of six. I thought that those defenses would falter, and that's what would happen. Well, the final score, that hook brings you back. Final score is 28-24, 52 combined points, the Vikings winning. So lost by the hook. So I got plus four in this. I got the 10 points, but I lost the six on that confidence score. Just the Lions are a team you do not want to play if you actually need to win something. Because there's a good chance that you'll beat them, but there's also a chance that they'll ruin your dreams and not help themselves in the long run. They're the team that'll end up going, I think I had them going 6-11 or 7-10, can't remember off the top of my head. And I'm like, they're that team. They're that team that for some reason will be 3-11 or 3-12 and and all of a sudden they win the last two, two or three games. And it's like, 
Went from the first pick. And again, you don't want anyone. I'm glad that they're not that team that tanks. But it still sucks. <laughs> it's like the weirdest position to be in. To go from like the having a number one overall pick to the number seven pick. Just because you're doing your job and doing it well. In those weeks. Anyway, moving on to the next game. Uh, the Ravens at the Patriots. I had the final score on this. 23-17. Ravens winning this one. As I said, I felt like the Patriots would do a good job trying to take away Lamar's best player and number one option, which is Mark Andrews. And that's why I had the score closer. But in my mind, I'm like, the Ravens should blow them out as long as they don't have coverage bust. They don't have enough speed on the Patriots team to actually give the Ravens problems. The line on this one was only uh, the Ravens by three. So that's why I was like, okay, confidence level is seven. I feel good about this, but again... Some of these games don't feel excellent. This felt good, though. And then the over-under was 43 and a half. I had the under in this because I thought that it could be one of those close to the best games, and the score predicted that. I had a conference level of five. I wouldn't have told you to bet on it. would have told you not to bet on it. It would have just been like, you make your own decision. The five is right in the middle. All right. Final score was just what seemed like just the teams exploding. 37-26, the Ravens, Lamar Jackson, as it currently stands, is playing the best quarterback in the NFL. We know how I feel. I'm very honest about it. I think Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL. We know how a lot of people feel. They think that Josh Allen is the best quarterback in the NFL. Neither of those assertions are are crazy. In fact, they're pretty good assertions. You all aren't wrong. I'm not wrong. But guess who said we're both wrong? Lamar damn Jackson. He said, I'm going to get this contract. I'm going to do the work. And you know who's leading the NFL in touchdown passes through three weeks. I mean, unless Daniel Jones has 10 tonight. Lamar damn Jackson. That guy. You know who's killing the league from the pocket? Lamar damn Jackson. I think he's 95, got a QBR of 95 from the pocket. Just stupid. It's just, that's stupid, by the way. If you don't know what QBR is, it's a measurement of how successful a quarterback is playing the position uh, with a rating of 100, uh, 0 to 100. 50 is average. If you have a 60, you're playing good. If you have a 70, you're playing great. And if you have an 80, you're playing excellent. To have a 95 is insanity. That's Peyton Manning on his ish. That's Tom Brady on his ish. That's Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers on their full ish. That's what Lamar Jackson has done for three weeks. Just to, go, just to give you some context. So, okay. I got plus two on that because I got the, the Ravens covering. That was seven. And then the overhead, even though I said take the under, that's minus five. All right. Jets hosted the Bengals. And I thought this would be a closer game. I thought the Jets offense would actually show up. The inefficiency that was in Joe, uh, Joe Flacco's passing actually finally caught up to them. You know, he was throwing the ball, had the most attempts in the NFL and most completions in the NFL for the first two weeks. And he had a bunch of attempts, not as many completions. Uh, the Bengals really got after him, disrupted him. It wasn't comfortable. So I had the Jets covering that. Um, and just kind of funny, right? Um and I had the, let's see, the under on that. All right. So I had the under. So that's four and four. Okay. So I watched out on that game with the Bengals, 27 and 12. All right. Next game, Eagles at the Commanders. This is one that I got wrong, but still got right. I got the whole game right, but I got the tenor of the game wrong. I am so impressed with how the Eagles came out. I talked about it about two teams and two guys that seem to fall for it in Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen and the Chiefs and the Bills. 
Both guys are amazing quarterbacks. Both teams were better, in my opinion, than the teams that beat them. I thought the Eagles might fall victim to that, having played on Monday night. Everyone's talking about Jalen Hurts, and I thought the team would fall for it. I didn't really think Jalen would. He's just not that He's not that guy. But that team didn't either. Um, I thought the final score would be 24-17 with the Commanders scoring late, making it closer, but still covering that 6.5 that the Eagles were favored by. Didn't make it close, at, like at all. Uh, it was 24-0 in the 24-8 final score that the Eagles had. It wasn't even that close. They had more sacks, nine, than the Commanders had points. They uh, completely dominated this game. Uh, I had the under. The over-under on this was 47. I had the under. I only had a couple of score of five on this one. Um, but the under hit by a lot. I should have probably had it more. I discredited and discounted the Eagles' defense. And by the way, I made a mistake on my fantasy football uh, podcast that I ran uh, late this week. The Eagles, I moved them off the sheet. I'll go over it next Sunday, uh, next fr- uh, this upcoming Friday. But basically, they were supposed to be the number six ranked defense. They did a lot better than that. I think they were like number two, uh, but behind just the Panthers. But they did a great job. I should have had them higher, but I had them at six. I didn't have them on the top ten. So that was my mistake. It was an error. But this Eagles defense is real. That offense is real. And Jalen Hurts finally got the help that he needed to prove to you all who just paid no attention. You know, SEC freshman of the year. SEC player of the year is a true freshman. At 17, that guy, that dude, the dude who's younger than Kenny Pickett. If you give him hope and give him help, he's showing you who he is. So I got plus 11 on that game. All right. So... Now we move on to the 4 p.m. slate. All right, so we're going to start with the Rams at the Cardinals. This is a weird game for me. This is a weird game. Um, I said the Rams would probably dominate it, and I was right on that front. I had the Rams winning 28-17. to 17. I thought the Cardinals would be able to give a little more than they ended up giving. Um, the Rams were three-and-a-half-point favorites. I had very much confidence in this one hitting where the Rams, again, covering by 11. So I gave it a nine. I was almost tempted to give it a lock, but I already gave one in the week. I didn't want to give two and kind of cancel myself out, but I felt really confident about this. If I had to rank them, this would have been number two, and then number three would have been that Chiefs game. Uh, the over-under was 48 and a half. My combined score here was 45, so I had a confidence level of six. I felt like the Rams would be able to hold that offense down and Kyler Murray down. They do often, and they damn sure held him down, and this was a really, really aggressive under. Uh, 20 to 12 was the final score by the Rams. Again, they covered that three and a half, and the under hit by a lot. So I got plus 15 on this game. I did really well in the 4 p.m. slot. So apparently West Coast related teams, I do a lot better. Maybe my brain's just waking up at that same time uh, as, as these bets are going in and getting cashed. I mean, at the end of the day, the Rams are just, they're the Rams. They have the teams they can beat. They have the teams they can't beat. And then they are there, there where they are. I had them going 10 and 7 on the season based on where they've started off so far and the teams that they've played so far. Yeah, that's I had them 2 and 1 at this point. All right, Falcons at the uh, Seahawks. Um, I had the Falcons winning this one, 21-16. I actually, in my gut, felt that the Falcons would do better against the Seahawks, but I gave the 12s, and I even said it, the 12s some credit. They would probably give some life to this team. Uh, A friend of mine asked me, hey, who should I take in this? Because it was even, by the way. The line was even, meaning the Falcons in a neutral site were favored, but since they're playing in a tough environment in Seattle, they thought that that would affect them. And I think to some extent it did. But I said, Dean Pease is going to get after Geno Smith. Uh, I got the Falcons easy in this one. And I hate saying that as a Saints fan. 
Well, the Falcons did win 27-23, closer than I thought. Um, so the even again, since I picked the Falcons straight up, that means I won. I had a confidence level of four on that, so you got plus four there. But the over-under of 42, I had 37 as my total score. That means an under. I had a confidence level of six on that, while the over hit uh, 50 points. So that's minus two. So minus two at that juncture on this particular game. Packers Bucks. This is one that I really should have just allowed to happen, but I, I'm a week off of being burned by Tom Brady when I made this pick. So I'll start there. Um, I felt like the Packers should win this one and not easily. That was stupid. I, I don't mean that. I meant just strictly if they played this game with the same personnel 10 times, I picked the Packers seven out of 10, seven out of 10. Uh, that's how I felt, but I picked the Bucks this one, 17-16. Again, I even said it, I'm pretty sure in my review, Packers have this game the whole way. They get in the red zone, can't score, kick three field goals. The Bucks need to drive down to get in the field goal range late. Tom Brady does it. They end up walking off winning 17-16. Now, that didn't happen, but the script went virtually the same way. Packers dominated this game, Bucks fans. I'm sorry, especially in the first half. They walked up and down the field. Be lucky Vita Vea is a freaking hoss. Because if you're down 21-3, I know that you want to think, you know, Goat, we're going to come back in a normal circumstance. All day, Tom Brady, come back. But that's a tough situation to be in. The fact that they kept, he just kept not making mistakes and kept being Tom Brady. And that's why they had a chance late. Because you know he's not going to falter in the fourth quarter when, when he's needed. Other people might. And that's what happened. Bucks drove down. Packers played tight. They got something I like to call, uh, let's call it, I'll just say it. Kids aren't listening to this. Lemon booty. Uh, things got tight. And what happened is the final result that you saw. They drove right down the field, scored a touchdown. And if it wasn't for the fact that they had so many moving pieces and parts and people want to blame Byron Leftwich, please stop watching football. That's not Byron Leftwich. It's also not Tom Brady. You know what it was? Circumstance. So many things going on there. You can say he didn't get the play in quick enough. Guess what? Tom is very prepared. He knows his favorite two-point play. There's no need to call it. He can even call a double. Where there's two plays called, just get everyone lined up. That's an auto call, okay? That is not any sort of, I got to get the play call in. No, auto. I'm Tom Brady. I got the pass and the run option. Whatever look I get, I adjust them. But it looked like they did the whole play call situation. It became a mess. Don't blame Byron Leftwich. Don't blame Tom Brady. Blame circumstance. It's a crappy circumstance. They had Cole Beasley literally playing meaningful minutes. Okay? Circumstance. And, by the way, the Packers are actually good. Weird, huh? So, uh, the Packers win 14-12. So, what does that mean? That means the Packers did cover. Um, I had zero confidence on this game, by the way. I even said this. So, I gave it a zero on the, on the line. But what I did have confidence was the underhitting. I think this got bet down to like 39 or something like that. It was 41 and a half last Thursday. It got bet down a lot. I only had a confidence level of three on that because I felt like there could be something silly that happens in this game. These are This felt like one of those games where you don't touch them. I have friends who are Bucks fans. I gave a warning on Thursday's show because I actually like you all even though you don't think so. I don't like that you're Bucks fans, but I don't hate it. So I said, don't touch this game. I warned everyone, do not touch this game. This game is going to be ugly and weird. And your money's going to hate you. And what happened? Ugly, weird, money hated you, but you also lost. And that sucks. So hopefully you listen to your friend Chris James because he tried to help you save your money. All right, we're going to move on to the next game. So that game, I got plus three. 
Alright, so the 4 p.m. slate is done here. Yeah, okay. Now I see why. Uh, I was like, there's four games at the 4 p.m. slot, but there's a 405 game. That was the Chargers and Jags, and then the other three games started at 425. So that's why I was a little confused. Yeah, it just looked weird on the paper in front of me. So sorry about that. So 4 p.m. slots, I did pretty well, theoretically. Um, let's move on to the last two games. This is going to be the nightcaps. So the first one, the Sunday night game. Again, if you listen to my breakdown, I actually felt proud of how this game went because it went almost exactly how I expected it to go. I had the Broncos winning 21-20. I said Russell Wilson will do Russell Wilson things late because he always does Russell Wilson things against the 49ers. Late. Even when they're the better team, he does it to them. And they hate him for that reason. And this game went that way. The 49ers look like the better team. But they also look like the two quarterbacks were what I expected. I feel bad in some circumstance for Jimmy Garoppolo. And I'll start here. People are like, don't feel bad for him. He makes millions of dollars and he's a good-looking dude who plays quarterback in the NFL. Well, I'll start here. He seems like an actual good, likable dude. Seems like his teammates actually like him. Seems like a dude who actually gives a crap about other people. So I'm not going to root against you just because you make millions of dollars and play quarterback and happen to be handsome. That's me being a hater. and I'm not built like that. If you are, seek counseling. Hopefully you can get better. But I do feel bad for him because Jimmy Garoppolo is not the guy that people want him to be. They want him to be this great quarterback. He's a great quarterback in the circumstance of playing the position, but not to his contemporaries in the NFL. He is a great bridge quarterback at this stage. Exactly who he's being used as. Get Jimmy Garoppolo as the guy that gets a good team to the playoffs, especially if they have a young gun on their roster. He's the type of guy that you want in front. He's Alex Smith. He's the type of guy you want in front of a Patrick Mahomes. And what they hope, poor Trey Lance, who it sucks that he broke his ankle because be different if he just got benched and had to learn he could do that right now he's just trying to rehab but this is the guy you want in front of him because he's competent he's a he's average to above average like jimmy garoppolo is that guy who floats between he can at his best he's a number 10 quarterback in the nfl at his worst he's a number 22 he is he is the quintessential number 15 16 17 18 that average quarterback that is exactly what jimmy garoppolo is he's the mendoza line for whether or not you're a good quarterback and it sucks because expectations, either people think you're trash or they think that you're underrated. Usually they think you're trash and that's unfortunate. But he's not Russell Wilson who started to do some Russell Wilson things in this. And again, oddly enough, because the, the spread was San Francisco by one and a half and I had the Broncos covering that. Broncos covered it. I had... Uh, conference level of three. I thought that the 49ers should win this game because they're better, but Russell Wilson would do Russell Wilson things. That means I'm telling you not to bet on it, but if I had to pick, I'm going to pick the Broncos in an extremely close one. Broncos by one. Broncos did win by one in an odd score that hasn't happened since 2000, I think it was eight, a Chargers game, uh, 11 to 10. So one point win by the Broncos in this one. The over-under was 45. I had it coming closer with uh, 41 combined points. I had a conference level of four on that one as well. Thought again, the 49ers could run away with this game, or if it's a close one, I'm taking the Broncos. I trust Russell Wilson, even in this iteration of him, more than Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, and that's what happened. The under hit by a lot. This was a defensive battle. And that 49ers defense is for real, folks. It is legit. That Broncos defense is pretty good, too. It's The 49ers defense is better. Um, you don't want those problems. Um, 
losing Trent Williams was big in this game. It did change a lot of it. Uh, but at the end of the day, this is the NFL. I mean, no one's going to feel bad for you. I'm a Saints fan. We've got injuries. Buffalo Bills fans are going to feel bad for you. Baltimore Ravens fans shouldn't. Everyone should feel bad for them. They're injured all the time. And the 49ers, I kind of do feel bad for you all. You're injured all the time, too. It's weird. And it's myriad injuries. It's not just like all the same thing, soft tissues. It's just like a combination of bad luck and soft tissue issues. So I got plus seven on that. Three for the line and four for the over-under. And then there's the final game that I can't give you the score to because I'm doing this show before it even happened. I'll just give you a recap of what I expect. I have the Cowboys winning this one 20-17. Simply put, the best unit on the field, and it's not close, is the Cowboys defense. I like what Martindale does to young quarterbacks, but guess guess what? The Giants don't have the requisite pieces. I think Leonard Williams might not play either. They don't have the requisite pieces to get it done as long as the Cowboys don't turn the ball over. If they don't turn the ball over, get in the field goal range, play decent football, they might break a, a, a for a touchdown or, or something like that, good things will happen. I don't trust Daniel Jones. I feel bad for the young man, but when the rush gets near him, Daniel Jones turns into a quarterback you never want to have on the field. A guy who's not athletic enough to get away. Yes, in a straight line, he's got excellent speed. He's actually probably in a straight line, I think, tops out at a higher miles per hour than Lamar Jackson. But guess what? Lamar Jackson can get top speed in two steps. Daniel Jones needs about six to get rolling. You're not going to get six steps in the NFL often. Um, so it's not even the same. I just don't trust it. I don't trust the Giants. I don't trust a 2-0 team that's an effort 2-0 team. They literally out-efforted the Titans for their first win. They out-efforted the Carolina Panthers, who was just inept, for the second win. I think the Cowboys' defense dominates here. And the only reason any points are scored is because if something does happen, you have talent takeover where a guy like a Saquon Barkley, who I'm hoping doesn't go off, I'm playing him in fantasy in two leagues. If he doesn't go off... Um, I win both of those leagues and I go undefeated this week, 10 and 0. Uh, but good goodness, this is going to be a stinker of a game from that perspective. Just the offenses should both look, but I have more confidence in the Cowboys offense because again, they have the talent that the Giants have, but a bigger question mark at quarterback from what he's doing than the Cowboys do. All right. So let's recap this. I started out the week horribly. I got minus six. On Thursday night. Then the, the 1 p.m. games. It went worse than I even thought it did. Because I had to correct this. I had plus 6 before. Now it's actually plus 1. I had to correct it uh, for the 1 p.m. Because I did get one of those wrong. And that included my lock. So without that lock coming through. I would have been minus 9. So again. Minus 6. Plus 1 for the 1 p.m. games. The 4 p.m. games. I was plus 16. Made up a lot of ground. Those games felt cleaner to me. To be candid. And then the 8 p.m. game, I was plus 7. That gives me an overall of plus 18 on the week. That means I made you some money. If you bet on everything that I told you to, you probably made some money. Uh, that's that's what I'm saying. Or at least if you bet on the top halves of stuff, you probably made some money. That type of thing. Um, I'm wondering, I think I missed a game talking about a game. Nope, I don't think I did. Okay. Um, so, yeah, plus 18. Again, that lock, I take confidence in that. Again, that's where I put my own money down. Uh, there's other games I might do something with, but when I say I'm giving you a lock, I'm putting my own money down, folks, because that's how much confidence I have in it. I don't do locks every week. Some weeks I might have two locks. Rarely I'll have three. 
very, 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 I, I don't remember even doing that last year. I think I've had two in a week and I hit both. I started off last year, seven and oh, then went oh and three and then recovered. I think I ended up nine and three on the season on locks, which is I think pretty solid, 75%. You're uh, flowing at 75% uh, with suggestions for people to bet. Uh, you can make a lot of money, okay? So that's the show. That's Make Good Monday. Uh, those are the topics I want to talk about. Those are the games I want to talk about. Just kind of go off a little bit. It allows me, again, for weeks out Wednesdays to be even more fluid. I can address things. People do ask me stuff offline. I get uh, hit up in DMs about questions, whether it's fantasy football related or just actual questions, general conversation. And I get to talk a little bit about college ball on Wednesdays now. It gives me some freedom uh, to, to to actually be more myself, to get more of my personality uh, now that I'm able to not be as adherent to uh, these different items now that I have this uh, fourth show. Does put more pressure on me, does take more uh, time for me, which is unfortunate for those of uh, you who would like some of my time. But heck, I'd like some of my time too. (laughs) Well, again, for those of you all who are either new to this show or just for some reason didn't have it, you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, That's the best place for football-related content. It's at CJFlorida9. That's at CJ, the entire state of Florida spelled out, and the number nine. This was the inaugural episode of Make Good Mondays. I hope you liked it. We'll be back next week. Again, trying to get this cadence going. A lot of stuff happening. Um, and I, I shoot for the, the, the TV spot on Wednesday. So my week's pretty busy. Uh, I like to sign off being honest about, uh, stuff at the end. You know, there's not much football to watch other than this game tonight, which I'm hoping is entertaining, but in general, enjoy your time, enjoy the people that you want to be around, but most of all, enjoy the time with yourself and love yourself. Take care. Bye-bye.